Hello, welcome back to another episode of Pastor Vic's Nuggets. This message is intended for all those who pastor or teach others in the Christian community. I encourage you to consider what I have to say. And if it's helpful to you, then, well, praise the Lord. And if it's not helpful, praise the Lord anyway. But the message has to do with what the scriptures call the milk of the word or the meat of the word. What's the difference? The foundation to understanding this question what is, is what is our motivation? What should be the motivation of those who we minister to? In, this, in the area of discipleship or learning how to live as a Christian, many teachers and leaders focus on the practices that lead to successful living. You know, and, and this, is, this is often called motivational teaching. According to the dictionary, motivational teaching is designed to promote the desire or willingness to do or achieve something. For example, someone may teach that if you do this, then God will bless you. But if you do this over here, well, well then God can't bless you if you do that. Well, there may be truth to some of these statements, and it may be appropriate for new believers. There's more to being a Jesus follower than do's and don'ts. As a matter of fact, living under rules of behavior often leads to fear of doing something wrong. And fear is the ground in which the devil operates. The Old Testament is filled with examples of rules and regulations known as the law or the law of Moses. And as the Apostle Paul put it, the law leads to death, whereas grace leads to life. To grow as a Christian, we must be brought into a relationship with Jesus that is based upon love and not fear. Understanding and living in what Jesus purchased on the cross for us is to understand our, relation to, our relationship with him, and that relationship is by gift, by grace, I should say. In other words, it is the gift of God. So milk or meat? That leads us to the question, is motivational teaching bad? Well, of course not. Motivational teaching is necessary for a new Christian. However, to mature as a Christian, the motivation must come from within the person and not from the outside. For example, a newborn baby relies totally upon his mother to give milk. But as the child matures, the child learns to find food on their own. And that has a spiritual parallel. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he's a babe. But solid food, meat, belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason have, have, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So let's examine this, these, these verses uh, a little more thoroughly. Now, the writer of Hebrews is chastising the Jewish converts to Christianity. And he's chastising them because they're not growing to maturity. He describes them as needing milk and not solid food. I think the meaning is clear. The people were being motivated by the leaders 
at the time to follow the rules on how to behave as a Christian. To be fair, remember that these are newly converted Jews. They, they were used to following the rules. But this kind of motivation tends to make people depend upon the leaders or others instead of on Jesus and his Holy Spirit. Believers who need milk will often try to imitate the Christian lifestyle. Again, let's, let's be, let me be clear. This is perfectly normal and proper for a babe in Christ. A babe needs to be taken care of, guided, directed. But at some point, they need to learn how to be motivated by the Christ that is living in them. To become independently strong in Jesus Christ. Verse 13 states, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, righteousness is both a gift and an essential characteristic of a believer. Righteousness can be defined as being in right relationship in God's eyes, doing the right things in God's eyes. Spiritually, we are righteous before the Father as a gift of grace by believing and trusting in Jesus. However, you know, as well as I do, that our thoughts and our actions don't always align with what God wants or expects. Spiritual righteousness is instantaneous. Working it out so that we also act righteously is a work that is continually in progress. So on the one hand, as an immature believer, there are many misunderstandings and habits that are not in line with God's purpose for us. Now I'm being taught from the Bible a whole new way of life. And I need rules and direction to help in those areas that are not part of my normal behavior. And being taught by others how to live is what I need. However, if I practice doing something I'm not accustomed to because I'm being taught what is right and wrong, then what is a conscious effort eventually becomes a subconscious effort. I no longer must think about what is right or wrong, but I will do what is right because of an internal motivator, the Holy Spirit. You see, every believer needs the helper, the Holy Spirit. There's no victory in this life based solely on human effort or discipline. And when we partner with the Holy Spirit and learn to be led by Him, we will fulfill the call and purpose of God in our lives. That call and purpose are to become more like Jesus every day. That's so important. We want to become more like Jesus every day. Now, Hebrews 14 says, But solid food belongs to those who are full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now, some think that years as a Christian determines maturity in Christ. But that's not necessarily so. I've known many Christians that have been Christians who are born again for, for, for 10, 20, 30 years, and they have not grown very much in Christ. As someone once said, it's not how long you've been on the road, but how far you've traveled on the road. And in Christ, we are moving towards a place of becoming more and more like him. Having senses exercised to discern both good and evil is a spiritual gift every mature believer has because of the Holy Spirit. 
The key word here is exercises to discern both good and evil. Walking in the righteousness of God is a process of trial and error. When we begin, we need guidelines. We need direction. As Christians, we have the Bible, the Holy Spirit, and faithful teachers. As we continue to grow in faith, the Word makes more and more sense to us. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, the one who is not born again, the one who is not a Christian, does not receive the things of the things of the Spirit. For they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual, that's us, judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we, you and I, have the mind of Christ. You see, because of the Holy Spirit in us, there are things that, that he teaches that we are able to learn. We can understand, we believe, we can grow in faith. Our faith continues to grow because of the Word of God. Romans 10, 17 says that. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now I should point out that the word in the Word of God, the word in that word, Word of God, is the Greek word rhema. Rhema is the spoken Word of God. So we have the written Word of God, which is the Logos, and we have the spoken Word of God, which is rhema. What's the difference? Well, the written word, as I said, is the Bible itself. And the spoken word is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you concerning the written word. One way to put it is that, is that the, the, the Bible is, is objective, whereas the, the rhema is subjective. It applies to a certain situation that you find yourself in. I'm sure you've had that experience. You have to make a decision, and all of a sudden the Lord brings a scripture that you read to your memory, and it helps you in your decision making. That's called a rhema word of God. The Bible is a spiritual book and can only be understood by those who have the Holy Spirit. As believers, you can remember in Romans, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Okay, let's get back to milk or meat. Now, we saw Paul chastising the newly converted Christians in the book of Hebrews. But now he has something to say to the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 3, beginning in verse 1, he says this. And he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food. For until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. See, Paul is chastising the Corinthian Christians for not growing in maturity. They were still carnal, and that, that simply means worldly. Remember, it's not how long, you've been on the, how long you've been a Christian, but it's how much you've grown that is important. We need milk and we need meat. We need them both. And one way to look at this subject of motivation is the following. We start in the flesh, we end up in the spirit. As new Christians, we're still very carnal. The word carnal simply means that we are relying on our own worldly logic, our intellect, or habits. 
We don't always realize that what we are doing is wrong or evil. But our salvation experience is real. But we're still very natural-minded based upon all the habits we've developed over our life. We start by being motivated by biblical teaching, preaching, and Bible study. We consciously practice what we learn. And then what we practice becomes our natural response. This is the meaning of Romans 12 too. And, and, and what Paul says in Romans 12 too is that, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's perfect will is that you become more and more like Jesus. And transformation is something that takes place on the inside. When we conform to something, we imitate something. But when, we trans when we're transformed, we are changed from the inside. And that's what God does. That's what the Word does. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He does a work on the inside. In the beginning, we have to consciously, again, we have to consciously choose good over evil. God's view or the world's view. But in time, the good becomes our default or our first choice. And all of this is because righteous habits and the truth of God replace our old habits and lies that we've believed. The Apostle John makes it clear that it's the Holy Spirit who will lead us into all truth. John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, Jesus says, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the, whole, what the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells within you and, and will be and continue to be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. See, what Jesus is saying is that while I have to ascend, I have to leave and, uh, and be with the Father, I will send the Helper to you. The Father will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to, to do what I would have done if I were on earth with you. The beauty of it is that when Jesus was on the earth, he could only be in one place at one time. But the Holy Spirit, he, he, he lives in every believer around the world. It's, it's, in, it's, it's incredible. It's incomprehensible but it's true. And then in John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, very clear, the Helper is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance, that's rhema, all things that I said to you. So what does a mature Christian look like? Well, as a mature Christian, a person has learned to trust the Holy Spirit to discern the truth when you hear it, read it, or, or are instructed by it. And therefore, that person learns to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. A, a new believer does not need anyone to act like the Holy Spirit in their lives, approving or condemning their actions. I'm sure you've met people like that. You know, you, you, you're a new Christian and, and you do something wrong and somebody quickly condemns you for that. Listen. You have the Holy Spirit in you. You don't need someone else to tell you uh, that you've done something wrong. You know when you've done something wrong because the Holy Spirit is there to direct you and guide you. There is only one Holy Spirit and a human being cannot take his place. The Holy Spirit is more than able to complete 
what he has started. In Philippians 1.6, I'm sure you're familiar with this verse, saying, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. A mature Christian is not measured by age or gender or position or title. The measure of a, of a, of a mature Christian is found, I think, in Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Holy Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, these are the characteristics of the Holy Spirit living in you. All these attributes are already present in the believer. The believer just has to learn how to unlock it and walk in it. And this takes trust or faith and boldness at times, as well as sensitivity or an awareness of God at work in you. Every believer has the potential to fulfill the call of God upon their lives because every believer has spiritual authority because of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual authority has been given to us by the Lord Jesus Christ to become mature disciples and to resist anything or anyone who would try to undermine our relationship with the Lord. And I'm going to be sharing the next time about this, this, this spiritual authority that we have as a believer. And so I encourage you not to miss it. But let me close by, 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 by praying this prayer with you. Heavenly Father, as, as, as leaders, Lord, give us the wisdom, your wisdom, not man's wisdom, your wisdom to know when someone needs milk and someone needs meat. And Lord, that our job is to bring a person to, to, to a place where they need milk, to help them move into that position where they can enjoy the solid food found in the Word of God. That they might grow in maturity. That they might grow in, in their spirit. That they might grow in their spiritual authority. Lord, that they would walk closer and closer with you every single day. That you would not, Jesus, that, that Jesus, you would not be just an idea but you would be a friend. You would be our Lord in every sense of the word. And so, Lord, I ask you to bless every listener, everyone who's watching this video, and I just ask you to bless them, bless them, bless them abundantly above anything we can think or imagine. And we ask this in the precious name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We'll see you the next time. God bless you.